You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. This is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I want to thank you for joining in with me today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means to me is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can actually do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. Today on the podcast, my guest is Erin Eddy from So Worth Loving. Erin has a new book out called So Worth Loving. And I'm excited for you to hear this conversation because Erin is so vulnerable and transparent about the things that she's walked through. And she discusses how very often we create these visions and views of ourselves that are not based in truth and how that can start at a young age and unravel as we get older, but also then how a deep sense of our true worth and our connection and our value to God can then blossom out of that. Erin talks about an unhealthy relationship. She talks about divorce, loneliness, anger, and yet how all of those things came together to bring her to a more true understanding of her own self. It is a truly inspiring story, and I'm excited to have her along on this episode today. Erin and I do talk about loneliness in this episode, and it's something that is a part of the process of going from coupled to single, and it makes things really difficult sometimes. To help with that process, I've developed some resources that might be helpful for you over at agapemoms.com. The first step in identifying what resources might be best for you is actually a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And the quiz helps you to understand a little bit about the unique way that you might be experiencing loneliness and then what you can do about it. Again, if you'd like to get started on that, you can go to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. As we dive in today, I do want to tell you about Erin Eddy. Erin is a social entrepreneur and creative and the founder of So Worth Loving, a lifestyle clothing brand. Erin is an author to Baker Books, a co-host to two podcasts with Our Daily Bread, and she brings conversations of faith and mental health to the table. After living in the heart of Atlanta for seven years, Erin now resides with her French bulldog on 16 acres in the countryside of North Georgia. Erin brings truth and tenacity to everything that she does, and she's walked a journey that many of us can relate to. I think that you will find this conversation is compelling, but also inspiring. Here is my conversation with Erin Eddy. Erin, I am super thrilled to have you with me in this conversation. I loved your book because you're so transparent and you're so Mm. vulnerable in opening up your life and your story to us. And in that you take us through a journey from brokenness, but into hope and healing. And Mm -hmm. it's just the most beautiful depiction of Mm -hmm. God's restoration. So I wanted to know if you would start off with a little bit about something that you talk about early in your book. And you talk about, you compare 
your a post-divorce breakup to a car crash that you experienced. Mm. And I want to know if you would describe the connection between those two events, but then also how you came to realize that this breakup was sort of a catalyst for Mm -hmm. you in discovering your own self-worth. Oh, I love that question. I love that question. Um, So good. First off, thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here and share my story. And I just hope that anybody listening feels just less alone in what they are going through. Um, so when I went through this breakup, yeah, it was like a car accident. So prior to getting into this relationship, I, um, was about a year out of, uh, my divorce. And I, I mean, even after a year out of my, before a year out of my divorce, I was dating a lot. I mean, I really threw myself into the dating scene after divorce. I just wanted to feel good about myself. And I thought mm-hmm. a relationship would do that. Mm-hmm. And so I just was seeking attention and love and affirmation from men. And then also like the status of men that I dated, just, I was just filling a lot of voids inside. And so when I went through this, I, I dated this guy and we were together for, you know, roughly like five months or so, but we, we dug deep into the relationship very quickly. And he also had gone through a divorce too. So there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, they call it trauma bonding. Yeah, so yeah. We created a bond, but through our trauma and through our mm-hmm. heartbreak, then through mm-hmm. our wholeness. And after that relationship, when he, he called me, um, cause he traveled a lot and, um, his career caused him to travel a lot. He called me and when he broke up with me, I was devastated. I did not see it coming. We had been involved with friends and family and And it was just, it felt like a car crash. It felt Mm -hmm. like you're driving. There are things you could have done, seen some flags, paid more attention, but you ended up going into the back of a tractor trailer. Mm -hmm. And it brought me back to the memory when I was about seven, I think, I think it was, I was seven or 10 years old. And my parents, um, they manufactured furniture at the time. And we did a lot of uh, furniture shows and they were, we were traveling to Pigeon Forge and we had this white suburban and a trailer attached to it on the back. And my parents were talking and my dad looked over because they had like an aha moment, sweet moment. But when they had that sweet moment, my dad went into the back of a tractor trailer. I was in the third seat of the suburban and I was taking a nap. So I was laying down on the third seat. My two sisters were in the, in the second row and the seat just came collapsing on top of me mm-hmm. and I was asleep. I still was sleeping when that happened. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow. I was still asleep when it collapsed and all of the bag, like all of our baggage, all of our, our luggage in the back seat came flying forward on top of the collapsed seat. So I woke up to my sister screaming my name, Aaron, Aaron, moving, moving the, you know, the, the luggage out of the way and they pop, pop the, you know, the seat up and, and I just pop up and I'm like, what happened? You know, yeah. I, didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even notice that it happened. Um, and then I was like startled after. And, uh, and so the relationship was that it was, um, it folded. And then everything came flying forward. Um, like when, when, we, when we went through the breakup, I remember thinking, oh, great. I am confirming what all of my friends that gossiped about when we went through the divorce, I'm confirming that I'm that person. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, 
Uh, now I'm con- this breakup is going to confirm that nothing's I am unlovable. Mm. Yeah, nothing's changed. I'm mm. unlovable. I'm not. I'm. I'm all these things that my former husband thought I was. This this guy also thinks that. You know, all of those shameful thoughts. It was just like, mm-hmm. all at once. Mm-hmm. And that was the begin. That relationship, unfortunately, um, but fortunately was the beginning of me really seeking restoration and transformation. I had an extremely similar experience and I thought how amazing it was that it wasn't the divorce necessarily that kind of was that big aha. There were mm-hmm. there were some things that did come to light in the divorce, yeah. but it was in repeating mistakes or seeing failures of relationships after that divorce that really made me go, okay, I am the oh. common part of this whole equation. So what am I carrying around that I keep doing this or I keep allowing this, whatever, you know, how you want to look at those things is kind of a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so incredible that you pointed out this way, that it does feel like that, just all that baggage, all that garbage, there comes a point after failure sometimes where you're like, okay, I'm ready to open Mm -hmm. this up. I'm ready to unpack this and figure out what's in here and why do we keep doing this? And what you just alluded to Mm -hmm. was lies. Mm -hmm. You know, that there were people who would gossip and say things about you. And you, in your story, talk a little bit about how those lies even got embedded much earlier. So I want to know if you'll take us back and describe a little bit about how those lies started really taking a hold of you and distorting your own sense of yourself. Mm, Yes, I can remember when I was seven years old. And I first started um, just really getting into music and singing and performing. You know, I was that little girl that loved her karaoke machine. Like that thing went with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my sisters also would, it was like camcorders were around. So they wanted to like, or VHS little video. I don't know. Are they called camcorders? The the video right. things with VHS? Is that what it is? Like now like, they just use the phone. So we don't even. I know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not well-versed in that language anymore, (laughs) but they would, my sisters are six and eight years older than me. And so I was like their little doll. Like it was like, yay, we can play with her, dress her up, like have, and I just wanted to hang out with my sisters. You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'll do whatever my sisters want to do. And so I remember seven years old and even, and even, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, all the way through. But I remember performing for them. So they would want to do videos, like music videos and Shania Twain videos. You know, I learned all the lyrics and would act like I was Shania Twain, even though why is a seven-year-old listening to some of Shania Twain? I don't know. But <laughs> I knew I watched shows and I listened to music I should not have listened to when I was younger. I, well, um, you're not alone in that. <laughs> I was listening to a lot of ska and alternative music and things like that when I was in yeah. middle school. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So good. So good. And so I remember I, when I was performing for them, they loved it. They would do videos and music videos and we'd have premieres and stuff. So as I got older and when I started enjoying my karaoke machine more, I'd make my whole family come down and like, I would put on an entire performance by myself. It was just so funny. And my sisters would just hate it. They would roll their eyes and they would leave. And they, you know, they're teenagers. They don't want to watch. And like, you know, they're 16 years older than me. Then it had nothing to do with like who I was, that they loved me. But I remember when they, when they watched and they rolled their eyes and they left, I remember thinking, I just need to perform better. I just Mm -hmm. need to perform better to be 
more accepted and loved by my sisters. Mm -hmm. And so that was a slow drip into my relationships through middle school, high school, my marriage, and then after my marriage, where if I perform well, if I make you feel better, if I make you feel happy and excited and feel better about yourself, then I am validated and loved for who I am. Mm -hmm. And who knew that as like a seven-year-old with a karaoke machine, that the enemy would just see an opportunity and just plant that seed and then just manifest. And like my young self didn't know to combat those fight, uh, those lies. Like right. I didn't know to combat it because I didn't know that it was wrong. I just mm-hmm. was, you know, my family, I grew up in a Christian household and my family, you know, I mean, we've, we have dysfunction for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't anything obvious yeah. that made me think that I should rethink the way I'm thinking at that mm-hmm. young of an age. Mm-hmm. So it manifested. Mm-hmm. I had a very similar uh, upbringing where it was that, you know, my parents had been married for over 40 years and yes, mm. there's some, you know, every family has their things, but there was nothing that was on the outside, very obvious, but mm. I was overachieving. I was mm. driving and pushing and earning and all of the things that it just, if you look at this child, it's like, wow, this is their gift. And I can imagine in your case, it was probably similar that, wow, she has fun with this and she's creative and we can see that in her personality. So it it really looks like a a healthy expression, but if we dig way deep down in there, we know, we don't know it at the time, but later down the road, we start to figure out like, wow, I'm really not okay with myself. Yeah. And you kind of talk about that too, that after (laughs) this breakup that you didn't want to get to know yourself, you didn't want to spend time with yourself and that, you know, in the, in the byproduct of agreeing with all these lies. And I love that you use that word. You talk about agreement (laughs) that you discovered how much fear was underneath all of that. Yeah. So I want to know if you'll talk us through that process though, because I know you talk a little bit in the book about having started therapy in your twenties, but it, that it sort of felt like, okay, I know that there's fear, but now I'm treating these things only as symptoms, but getting to the root causes was very difficult. And I know Mm -hmm. I've been in therapy. I know many of listeners are thinking about it or are in it themselves and they just haven't Mm -hmm. hit that breakthrough yet. So take us through that for yourself and what you know now about yourself, why that was a place that you were stuck. Mm, Yes. I remember waiting months later for him to call me. I would hope, I was just hoping and longing that his, his name would pop up and he would, I was hoping that when he called, he would take, take back the breakup. And by him doing that, it would take away the lies that I was believing about myself. And that's when I realized this relationship was about, was not a, it was not a two whole people Mm -hmm. loving each other, but seeking um, each other to be loved and to accept and believe that they are loved. And so when I was in that season of just alone, I didn't want to date. I was like, typically, you know, my, my past history, I'd be like, fine, well, then I'm, he's not the one. And my husband wasn't the one. So I'll go find the one. Like that's kind of was my perspective. And so mm-hmm. my past history would be to just be open to dating. If somebody wanted to ask me out on a date, I'd go on one. I didn't want to do that, but I didn't want to be alone. And so I was stuck with, shoot, I, I don't want to be alone, mm. <laughs> but I don't want to be with anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I have no other choice, but to be with myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be with myself because I, I didn't want to believe 
I didn't want to process what I was thinking because I was scared that that could be true and not a lie. I was scared that the lies were actually truth. And so I remember going to my therapist and just giving him everything. And it was a trauma therapist that specialized in um, spouses of addicts and specifically sexual addicts and infidelity. And he helped me process just so much that I hadn't yet. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was, you know, a lack of my self-esteem and my lack of believing my value because of my past relationship. Um, a lot of gaslighting. I didn't know mm-hmm. in my, there's a lot of gaslighting in my past. I didn't know what was true and what wasn't. So for me right. to define what was true and what wasn't in my own personal life, me by myself mm-hmm. was so hard to do. And I, in my marriage, you know, I was with my former husband for, um, we were married for nine and a half years together for almost 13 years. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, I met him when I was 17. So I didn't know how to be by myself and I didn't know how to face any of that, mm-hmm. that stuff. And so I was so grateful for my therapist to walk with me through it. But one other thing that I did, you know, while I had a trauma therapist and anybody listening is like, yes, I have a trauma therapist, but I'm still having these thoughts. I still, you know, like what you said, can't, I can't mm-hmm. have this breakthrough. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, there were two things that I did. One, um, I joined a spiritual formation mentorship program, which was basically, I, there's an author named Alicia Britt Cholet, and she's amazing. And she um, has helped walk me through my understanding of who I thought God was from mm-hmm. an upbringing mm-hmm. and who he actually is. I was viewing God through the lens of my trauma. I was doing viewing God in the lens of Christians that treated me poorly. Yeah. And I was, and I was viewing God as a, as somebody that didn't guard and protect me because of some of the abuse emotionally, um, you know, verbally manip- a lot of a manip- manipulation. I was very angry at God. And so, you know, looking back, the reason, one of the reasons why I think I was able to kind of and I'm not saying this for, this was just my personal journey. I think one of the reasons why I was able to make the next step, and, and I don't know if it was a necessarily a breakthrough, but it was um, a bold step for me because I had been stagnant and just, you know, as we talked about, seeking a lot of mm-hmm. destructive behavior and, and fear and a lot of fear, believing that maybe I am these things that everybody says I am. And so the spiritual formation mentorship was just a mentor to guide me through my God print. Like who is God in my life and how do I view him? And can I allow myself to just talk to him? And at that point of the relationship, I hadn't really, like, I was like, I'm a Christian because I grew up that way. But then after my divorce, I was kind of like, I did all the good Christian girl things you do. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to do that this time around. I'm going to do my own thing and pave my own way and explore and discover discover destruction, you know, who's to say, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm, mm But, um, but I know this is a long winded uh, answer to your question, but when I, when I decided to start talking to God again, he really helped shape and helped me to understand my fear and lies. And I couldn't have done that without him because I was doing everything out of my own strength and in my own strength and in my own strength and therapy. So all of the tools that I had in my toolbox from my upbringing 
and then all, and then the tools my therapist provides me, but there was still something that was missing. And it was my resistance to talk to God about my mm-hmm. circumstance. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to him. I, and, and that really transformed a lot of my thinking and bringing him in. That's so powerful. I had always thought of God, I think, as like this police officer from the way that I was raised yeah. uh, as far as do this, don't do this. I'm watching for this and all that kind of stuff. And so I realized that in myself, that's where a lot of that performance driving came from was like, well, if I'll just perform good enough, then I'll be accepted by God. And when you have a wrong idea about God, then you have a wrong idea about yourself. And if you don't realize how much he actually just loves you, then you don't love yourself. You don't even know how to love yourself. You don't know how to receive that. We'll talk about that a little bit more because that's something you highlight too. But that, that ability to see yourself rightly is so hard that no matter how many great things you can throw in there as far as tools and you know messages right. and stuff like that, like sometimes they just keep bouncing off until our heart really is soft enough to go, okay, maybe, maybe I can trust God. Maybe I can. But I think yes. it starts with trusting him with the big emotions, like you just said. And one of the mm-hmm. things you highlight in the book is anger. Mm-hmm. And I love you. You have a quote in there. You said, anger is necessary for healing. And so <laughs> you had to come to terms with anger. And that was something yeah. that you were scared to address. So yes. talk about that and how, you know, bringing a big emotion like anger to God, mm. just what you learned in that process. Yes. Gosh, that is, and it's so good. I love what you said about softening your heart because I did consume so many self-help podcasts. I mean, up the walls, you would have seen, if you looked at the list, I mean, listen, listen, listen to all of these ones, five minute ones, 30 minute ones, 45 minute, two hour ones, trauma ones. I mean, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've dug into those things and I dug into some really good books, but my heart had to be softened to hearing from God and hearing his invitation and also extending an invitation to him. And the invitation I extended to him was my anger. It was, that was the only invitation I had. It was like, I have this anger and I don't know what to do with it. And if you are who you say you are, which scripture says that you, you lean into the brokenhearted, that you want to help carry all of our burdens and, and you, and you show up and you want to restore and redeem. If you are that Lord, like it was like a plea. It wasn't even like a condescending tone at that point anymore. It was like, Mm -hmm. I'm so angry here. It all is. And Mm. I didn't allow myself really to be angry. My anger, when I first acknowledged I could be angry, was in a form of depression. I just didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to brush my teeth. I didn't want to take a shower. I didn't want to shave my legs. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't just want to, I didn't just want to manicure myself. I just, I just kind of normalized myself showing up looking disheveled all the time and just, feeling and just caking on makeup from yesterday, mm-hmm. um, which is such a, you know, an image of what we do to our wounds. We just mm-hmm. we cake them. We keep mm-hmm. hiding them. We keep trying to put band-aids on them. And that's what I was doing. And so when I could, when I got to the very, like I was drinking a lot, I was just, there was a lot of things that I was doing in response to depression. And so when I was talking to my therapist, he shared with me, Aaron, depression is, um, suppressed anger. And I had never thought about it that way. Mm. I thought it's suppressed anger. Well, I don't know what I would be angry at. Like it was really hard to me to find the anger because 
I had justified all of the things that I was really angry about, that I was the problem. And I had justified the, the actions of other people that made me angry, that I deserved it. And so I didn't face any anger. I thought that everything that was said or any, any actions that I did, I, I deserved it. You know, I, this is a, this is normal. I should just learn to cope with it. And so that, gosh, that was so life-changing and, but also the hardest thing to face. So I went to a journal and I wrote down all of the people I was angry at. And I wrote down any choice I made, I was angry at. And um, I just wrote down names and circumstances and what they said and what I've said, where I'm at. And, and then I got to God and I was like, oh, I can't be mad at God. I can't be mad at him. Like God is good. You know, growing up, God is, God is good, but I was angry. So how, mm-hmm. what do you do when you're angry and you're told that he's good? And, mm-hmm. and so I, I got to God and I was like, Lord, I'm angry at you. I'm and oh, it just makes me emotional thinking about that moment and that memory because I was, I was so, I was so angry at him and he was so kind in receiving it. And, 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 you know, I think we think God is going to smite us or love us less if we bring our feelings and our emotions and our heaviness to him. And quite opposite, you, you experience just a, a deeper level of intimacy with him by realizing that when you can recognize the lies and then you can recognize your anger with him and you recognize he will lean in and love you more for all of that mm-hmm. and wants to reveal truth. I mean, that took me on a journey and it, it had, it had to be with me softening my heart to him, mm-hmm. but softening my heart was admitting I was extremely angry. <laughs> mm, wow. That's so powerful. Like what a gateway to, to have this thing, this barrier of like, I can't be mad at God and then have that freedom to just lay it in front of him. But then in that receiving just a heap full of grace and being able to finally feel it though. I think, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of times that we might sit down with God and say, I'm mad about this. I don't like this. And we're not ready even to receive the grace. And I think that's the difference is that you're saying, I brought this to you, but I'm saying here it all is. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And And, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and to just to to piggyback on that too, you know, I think when you have been in some form of an, when you've been in an abusive relationship, People always ask on the outside, why did you stay, you know? And it's because you, there's so many reasons why you stayed. Um, and, I, and I think that sometimes it, we can get into a holding place, you know, in our mind and, and stay in something because of all of the reasons. And so in my relationship with God, it was really hard for me to feel and give him things and to pursue him. Because my past and staying in something abusive mm-hmm. looks a, looked a lot like a relationship looked a lot different than a, a, a relationship with the Lord. So mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to navigate mm-hmm. a relationship with God coming out of something that was so unhealthy and so um, toxic um, to my self-worth. And so miss, I, I had to do a lot of rewiring on who God was versus mm-hmm 
what a relationship was in my past for so long. Yeah. Erin, I'm so, thank you for bringing that up. That's, Mm -hmm. that is such the core. I feel like sometimes there's a lot of shame that comes with this too. And anger and shame very often are intertwined, you know, and there's this anger at ourselves for why did I let myself do this? Or how did this happen to me? Or, you know, why, why, why does this keep happening or whatever it is that you, like you say, you stay. And then this external feeling of like, well, why didn't you just see it for what it was? You you know, I can see it. How come you didn't see it? And then feeling stupid, you know, like, gosh, how, how this is so obvious, you know, and now all the aftermath, especially if you've got kids and seeing like what what the aftermath of all that is. And then turning towards God and saying, where, where were you or what were you doing? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think um, for me, it was, I knew God was with me all of the time. Yeah. But I couldn't figure out why so long, you know, why, <laughs> yes. why, why for yes. me, I was married almost 14 years. So why yeah. did it take, was it me? Was I that dumb? You know, right. what yes. was this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, we that, asked that. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I actually had a realization this morning and God's so good to keep like, keep healing me as I go, you know, but I had a realization this morning that he knew when that soften heart in me was going to be ready. He knew when I was going to be able to start walking this part of this journey of my life. And when I'd be able to receive grace in a way I never had before, when I was able to say, Mm -hmm. I don't want to perform anymore. This doesn't work. And we look at our lives and go, well, if I only have this many years on the planet, why did I waste so many doing this thing that didn't work? But if we look at the perspective from God, that it's like, I was dropping my love and my favor on you all the whole way mm-hmm. that we could start yeah. to go, well, that time wasn't wasted. It was time cultivated. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm so, I'm so thankful that you're a voice in this space though, too, because mm-hmm. I think that the biggest thing that tears away shame is to say, I get you. I've been mm-hmm. there. You don't have to carry that anymore. I'd like to take a pause from our conversation here and mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available to you on the go. And through an app, you're able to chat with a counselor. You can have video sessions to get help with some of the things that you might be working through. Erin and I, in this conversation, both talk about how counseling has been instrumental in helping us to move through our healing process. And if you have been considering Christian counseling and want to give faithful counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. I think the other thing I love though, too, is that what this birthed for you too was a reinvention mm-hmm. that in dealing with things like your loneliness and in dealing mm-hmm. with yourself and having to sit with yourself and get out of these emotions and start to live a new life that you started to create. And I mean, literally create <laughs> on paper, which I want to talk about this, like new vision for yourself and vision boards and things like that. And when you would get into these lonely spaces that you would start to look at this new future. So you're able to pivot mm-hmm. then from this place of brokenness and anger mm-hmm. into a place of new vision and new life. So yes. talk about that part and the emotional and creative process behind that. Yes. Oh, I had, so yeah, yes. I just, I just brought, when you said that, I just literally have a, a flashback of mm-hmm. that night when I first started recreating my life aesthetically, like on Pinterest. 
I remember, I remember, and you know, grief comes in so many different waves, right? It's like big waves, small waves, big waves, small waves. You'll be like, I'm claiming my life back. And then you're like, why did he do that? It's like, it's just like, you feel like you're on top of the world in one moment. And then you feel like you're like, I'm so mad at everybody. Yes. Yes. Uh (laughs) And why did I waste my life? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I want to, um, I want to just give a hug to anybody listening when they hear me talk about reinventing your life and the joy that I found from it, because I did find joy in it, but I definitely don't want to dismiss that I had the waves of Mm-hmm. The, it's a process you can relate to <laughs> yes <laughs> we don't Such just wake process. up one day and go oh my yes. gosh I know exactly who I'm going to be I'm going after that like, new future <laughs> yes that's new right new future ahead it was like I just remember so in my marriage I had just kind of you know and this is my choice this was my choice um met with some unhealthy behavior from my former husband and I had just kind of dimmed down what I liked, what I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I call that making yourself small. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was too much, too bright. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, uh, there were some tastes that I had like furniture style or, you know, and you know, you compromise in marriage and you, you compromise in good ways in marriage. And then you can compromise yourself too much in marriage and for me, codependency was a huge, huge thread with throughout my marriage. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> and, 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 um, and so I, you know, if whatever he liked, I liked and whatever I liked, I hoped he liked it, you know, like it was that mm-hmm. thing. So when I, when I am, you know, newly, newly single, reinventing my life, just trying to gain some hope, you know, like I can't see the future and I'm distrustful of it because I was trusting of my present and then stuff happened and it didn't suddenly happen, but I became aware of it. So, mm-hmm. um, when I sat one, I remember sitting on the sofa one day and I grabbed my Pinterest, like my iPad, and I decided to make a private Pinterest board and it was Aaron 2.0. I love that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I pinned and you know, when I talked about being depressed and like not taking care of myself, it was around that time. And I just wanted to find some enjoyment in, in, in Aaron 2.0. And so Mm -hmm. I pinned like, like things like clothes that I, I really like that I want to wear, or, um, if I'm going to be completely honest, like panties that I think are pretty that I want to wear, you know, I want to, I want to buy pretty panties now. Like, (laughs) yeah. yeah. treat myself <laughs> right. yes. I'm gonna treat myself my brows yes. are gonna be so beautiful and no one gets to see them that's you know? right <laughs> I totally get this you know I get I mean? all of this <laughs> I, like you just do stuff like that or you're like yeah. you know I want to I want to color my hair like I've always wanted my hair long like I kept it as a pixie cut my entire marriage because he liked that and mm-hmm. he thought I was prettier that way and I was totally mm-hmm. fine with that I thought I was pretty too as a pixie but now I want to grow it out long and yes. so I'm like pinteresting and just enjoying like just that journey of reinventing and mm-hmm. honestly I don't even know if it's reinventing as much as it's stepping into owning what I really enjoy mm-hmm. and and just having fun with it and so I never compared myself I, when I pinned on my Pinterest private, and it was a private board, you know, I, I just saw it as an opportunity to dream because I had 
felt that all my dreams and anything that I had looked forward to or desired just were taken, like the wind was taken out of me. Mm -hmm. And it was such a beat down that I just wanted to cling to some enjoyment and not compare, but just go, I know I'm, I'm capable of the things I desire. Like God has instilled a tenacious woman and a resilient woman to endure what she has for so long that I know that I can take that same tenacity and that same resilience and apply it to owning my mistakes and then owning my joys of what I love. (laughs) So Mm, so I I went into Pinterest mode. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think That's so fun though, too. And I resonate with this because I think as a creative person and a person who has those juices flowing and you have imagination and that kind of thing, for you to finally turn that back to yourself, it's an expression of love to yourself. But I also think, I always think of the things that we have inside of us are little foot, little fingerprints of God, you know? So if we're creative people that taps into God's heart as the creator, all of these gifts that we have inside of us are little reflections of God that we're talking about. Yeah, it's a Pinterest (laughs) board, right? And it feels good and it's just like fun, but we're also getting to really dive into those parts of ourselves that we like, that we say, oh God, this is, I'm liking myself through this. And then we get to start to see him better. You know, we get to see him more in a right way by enjoying, (laughs) just enjoying yourself. You know, finally just saying, yeah, no, I think I'm just going to go to dinner by myself because yes. myself. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like, I have so much fun with myself. So yes. I think that's what exactly. we're going to do today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, Aaron, this is so great. Um, as we kind of start to, to move into where you're at now, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things, favorite quote from the book is, I am choosing to be fully seen and fully myself and I am loved more for it. Mm. And in this, and I touched on this earlier, we start to, you start to understand and and describe that being able to accept God's love though is not easy sometimes. And you alluded to the fact that a lot of it has to do with where we've come from before, that if we've been hurt before, abused before, disappointed before by people, we've often attributed that to God. And so then the idea of saying, well, maybe I'm I'm willing to rethink the way I think about this relationship between you and me, but I don't know how much Mm -hmm. weight I want to put on that that there is this then battle between fear and faith that starts Mm. to go on in our hearts. And in your journey, though, you were able to develop this intimacy with God that allowed faith to win out. And this battle with fear that you've had that's really been lifelong, if we look at it, Mm -hmm. finally is something now that you are stepping into this, you're stepping into life every day, excited and knowing the love of God so, so deeply. Mm -hmm. So take us a little bit through how you develop that relationship with the Lord and what he taught you about his love in that process. Mm, Yes. I remember grabbing a dry erase marker and going to my mirror. And I had like, at the time I was living in an apartment in a neighborhood called Brookhaven. And I, um, it was a double vanity. So it was a, it was a very large mirror. And so I grabbed the dry erase marker and I start writing out every statement that's been said over me and every statement I've believed about myself. Mm. Um, self, I've been told I was self-righteous because I wanted to pursue knowledge. Like I wanted to learn, um, like when I would read and stuff, I'm, I love, I mean, I love to read. I love to consume information. Um, so self-righteous, um, too much 
two skinny chicken legs. I mean, literally, I wrote it all. Mm-hmm. Anything that like made me just feel slightly insecure about my physical body, anything that made me feel in- slightly insecure about my internal, and then extremely insecure about, I mean, I wrote it all, any statement that had ever been said over me, all over my mirror. And I grabbed scripture. And I love in Jeremiah 29, where it says, you know, for, the, for I know the plans I have for you. But what I love in the King James Version, which I I, rare, I I don't often read King James Version as much as I read the Christian Standard Translation, um, but the King James Version, I just love every now and then comparing the two and seeing, because mm-hmm. it's just so poetic. Yeah, Do you, yeah. mm-hmm. It's just, I feel like it's almost like Shakespeare, and I love mm-hmm. Shakespeare, so... <laughs> Um, I'm like, oh, Lord. So I love what King James says in that, in Jeremiah 29, because it says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you. Mm-hmm. And so when I wrote everything down that was in my mind, that was swirling, because it just had been compounding. Like, it was like, it's all in there. And as much as I could tell myself internally that that's not true, or yeah, but you know, you're beautiful, or God made you with those legs, or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you still think them. And yes. so, you know, you, like, you just don't tell people you do. And so right. I told God everything that I think about myself. And then I took, I grabbed scripture and it says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you. And I prayed over that, uh, uh, that mirror. And I said, Lord, I rebuke anything that has been said over me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I pray that you will tell me how you think of me and you replace each thought that I'm looking at right now with your truth. And I just, I would then pray over and over and over. I mean, I prayed the longest not crying prayer in front of that mirror. Mm. And I, um, I was just wanting the Lord to, uh, I was wanting to surrender my thoughts and I was wanting the Lord to lean in and to tell me, what did he really think of me? Like, I think at that point, to and like you know and the skepticism and skepticism I guess in me uh thought well who's God to say that I mean how do you know if God really thinks those things or how or who's God to say those things you can believe that in your inner power and your inner strength and you can mm-hmm. transform your mind and I did go down that thought pattern and mm-hmm. and I think at that point that thought pattern didn't get me anywhere it mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't actually surrender those thoughts. I actually didn't get to work. I didn't work through those thoughts because I couldn't do them alone because they're, they're bondage. I mean, it was bondage. Mm, yeah. Those lies were keeping me in bondage. And so by me surrendering those lies to him, asking him to reveal to me what he thought of me, I grabbed my journal and I prayed and I just said, Lord, I, I really want you to tell me what you think of me. And I would do that over and over again. And I still do it. Um, you know, I, that in that moment, those lies to, to just completely dissipate I still fight through them yeah. and it's a continual working of my mind and rewiring and battling things that had been said over me for years and years. Mm-hmm. But what I do love is that the Lord absolutely reveals what he thinks about us. And, and so I would start to write out when I journaled things that he thought of me and they were, the Lord never said, you know, you're being too needy. Don't ask me these questions. You're insecure again. That was never, that is not the Lord's voice. Mm-hmm. And so I would just write out things that he said, like, I love that you're curious and you want to learn. Um, I, you know, you have a, you have a beautiful body. I made it this way on purpose. Um, you, you know, you are, you have flaws, but you're beautiful because of it, because imperfections are what are so beautiful about you. And like, just like, like, think, like I started writing out those things and, 
I started seeing the difference between what was my, what, what were lies I was telling myself, uh, lies that the enemy was just pressing on me and then being able to start to hear God's voice. Then I started to, that's what helped my intimacy with him because for a while I couldn't hear it because it was mm-hmm. so, my lies were so loud that it was mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like a cobweb. You're like trying to find through of like, God, where's your voice in all of this? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the thoughts you think towards me? And mm-hmm. And so by even journaling it, and sometimes, you know, you're like, you write some stuff out that are compliments to yourself <laughs> and you're like, you're like, God, did you say that? Or is that just how I think? You know? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> both, but, and. Both. both and. It's both. It absolutely is both and. Yes. And, and I think that it's so hard to even fathom that God does actually think about those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's so hard to go. He doesn't really. The Lord, there's so many issues in the world. Again, that is like, that is denying his love and not receiving and accepting his, his just desire to just want to draw close to us. Mm-hmm. And the more that you can accept and give credit to those moments, the deeper your intimacy is developed with him. And mm-hmm. I started giving him credit instead of instead, cause I had no other choice at that point, you know? So yeah. it, was, it wasn't like, it was like, well, you know, there's other options. It was like, no, I had done my way and it was, I was haggard and tired, depressed. And, and, and then he romanced me and that's how he romanced me. He romanced me by me taking my time and, and chiseling away at my distrust and learning to trust him again. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, I love this because I think there's, there's just so much baggage, you know, in the lies. And I think the thing that I started to realize was that so often when bad things happen, we're ready to attribute those to God and say, you weren't there or you let this happen to me. But we, we don't realize the trap that like the enemy would really love for us to blame God for all those things instead of then when we have a great moment, you know, also we tend to say like, well, I think that about myself or I made this happen or that kind of thing rather than giving God the credit, as you said. And if we could see, if we could just see it all really that those bad things, that's how the enemy wants to trip us up and trap us and mess us up so that we don't know the source of deep love, deep acceptance, deep intimacy, then he wins. Yes. And so when I start to see those lies about myself, just trying to creep back up and you're right, they, even if you have victory, like it doesn't mean you're not going to continue to deal with those things. Yes. But we could start seeing bubbling up and then I know where they come from though. Now I know this is a, tr- oh, I'm like, this is a trick. I am not falling for it. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Being God, I know what God thinks about me. It is not what you just said. So like, that's right. Gone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the enemy, he wants to divide. I mean, that's what, and that's, I clung to, I clung to that verse, you know, about how he wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants mm-hmm. to divide. He wants to create a division between me and the, and the Lord who loves me so much. So now I would think through the lens is this creating a divide in who I know God being, you know, and I would just ask that, that would be my filter. Is this creating a divide? Is this creating closeness or more separation? And I think when you've come from abuse, it's really easy to, to believe. And even when you start getting into dating again, and you know, I have, I've now started dating, I've been, been dating somebody and I have a lot of, I'm still think that God is, is working through the distrust mm-hmm. in me that I have toward, cause I have, I had distrust in my past because of my yeah. past. The Lord has taught me that I can trust him and I'm still learning that. And then dating, 
it brings back old wounds. It's like, we don't fully arrive. It's just a constant refinement and transformation. And, uh, and so I think we can take our past of distrust and give and believe that God is the same. Mm -hmm. And, and then we also can believe that somebody who is so good and so loving and loyal could be the same because we've been so badly hurt and so badly betrayed or abused. And I think the transformation for that relationship goes first and foremost with our transformation with the Lord and our relationship with him. Oh, that's so good. Erin, I could just go on like for hours. I'm <laughs> I know, like, so. really good. Like, part three. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about this. I could talk about this all day long. <laughs> it's it just, so but, and it. you're, but the, the hope that you have and just the, the transformation that's happened in your life is just so evident. And I just love how it radiates off of you. Uh, as we, oh. as we get to, you know, towards the end here at, at the end of the conversation, I always ask the same question. And that is, if there was just one more thing mm. that you would want a single mom who's listening to know, what would it be? Mm. Your transformation is not a race. Mm. Um, there are days that you will feel like you're back at square one. And in those days, it's so important to have some sort of, I call them breath prayers. So uh, whenever I wouldn't, I didn't know how to combat if I was really tired from a long day, you know, and I have one of my best friends is a single mom of two kids and, um, and she went through a divorce and a lot of emotional and physical abuse and verbal abuse. Um, And I've, I've watched her journey. Um, and say, I'm not a mom. So I first and foremost cannot even imagine um, the, the, the responsibilities, you know, and never would I want to put myself in, in the same emotional headspace that I know somebody listening is experiencing. Um, breath prayers are so important. So it's like a prayer that you can pray instantly that you have kind of memorized um, to get you through the days that you feel like you're at square one. Mm. You're at, you're at back at you, what you feel like you are back at um, recovering, or you feel like you've been triggered and you, you know, you feel hopeless and you wonder if this is your forever those days, because those days are so real. I still sometimes have those days, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, how I've done all of this work and I still have this day, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's so important to give yourself just grace. And, you know, I think about my, my girlfriend, she doesn't have time to rest because she's uh, you know, going to everybody's going along to everybody else's schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but she'll, she'll wake up a little earlier or she'll stay up a little later to journal her thoughts and mm-hmm. to, to pray. And she, she carves that time out. It's, um, important time for her. And so I'd encourage that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some just- practical things. I'm so thankful that you apply that too, that you've, you've put in this conversation so much of those practical things that just give yeah. us permission. You just, I, I feel like permission is such a big thing, especially when you've lived this life that maybe you have been treated really badly. Maybe you've gone through a lot of trauma yeah. and you just need someone to give you permission to dream yeah. again, permission yeah. to take your time. Yeah. And just the knowledge that God will meet us in that. So mm. thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And they, oh, this is just so wonderful. And I hope, 
I hope that, I mean, I'm so inspired by your, your willing to go there. Yeah. Well, it's real. It's, it's Ugh, happened. It's happening. So it's happened and we got to do it, you know? Um, and, but same for you, Erin. And, and as far as the listeners are concerned, if they want to keep up with you, yeah. grab a copy of So Worth Loving, which you must, it is fantastic. <laughs> Tell us how though we can um, just stay connected to you. Yeah. 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 If you go to soworthloving.com slash book, that's where you can find the book and um, you can find it, find so worth loving at so worth loving on Instagram. And then I'm at, I'm at Aaron Eddy. And so that's E R Y N E D D Y at Aaron Eddy. Um, and then oh, and also, you know, I will also uh, share so worth loving has a place. It's a community space. It's called so worth slash community where you can access resources and tools for books that you want to read podcasts um, videos that pertain to your self-worth and learning how to live your life through the lens that you're so worth loving. So you can go there as well. And then you're also on a podcast with a friend of this podcast, Elisa Morgan. Yes. So talk about that too. <laughs> oh yes. I love Elisa. And you just had her. She's on, like, fantastic. She's, I love Elisa. She's, <laughs> she's my, she's one of my mentors that has helped oh, me with my God yeah. print that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has been, she's walked she has, she met me when I was a little, I was, I was skeptical of everybody. Wow. So she met me in a space of skepticism, but she's mm-hmm. been, so we're on a podcast called God Hears Her and the podcast, it's so beautiful because we're a little over 30 year age difference. And, mm-hmm. um, she, her and I, I mean, I process what I'm going through with her on the podcast and she gives me insight from 30 more years of knowledge mm-hmm. and the podcast we talk about, um, rejection. We talk about fear. We talk about, does God really hear us? What about in this season of life when we feel like we do not hear him as much as we can be, you know, those strong faith driven women, where is he? Does, can we still hear him? So we just really have transparent conversations about that. Yeah. And the dynamic between the two of you is just so fun to listen to. So (laughs) I'm so glad that you guys just let your relationship be available to all of us through the podcast. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Thank you again so much, Erin. It's just been such a treat chatting with you today. Mm, Thank you you so much, Michelle. Thank you so much. As I was reading through Erin's book, I was struck by how many of the truths that she points out in her own healing journey were things that God had revealed to me as well. But hearing it in her own voice and in her own way was just the next layer of confirmation of how much God really wants all of us to know our value and our worth and the life that he has ahead for us. If you'd like to pick up a copy of Erin's book, it is now available and I will have a link to that in the show notes. Community is a huge aspect of going through any kind of healing process. And so at Agape Moms, I have started a private Facebook group called Beloved Collective, where you are able to meet up with other single moms to just talk about the things that you might be going through, whether it's relationships or parenting or just everyday struggles. You can join that group by going to Facebook and finding us at Agape Moms. And if you click on the groups tab on the main page there, you can actually submit a request to join the group. Additionally, we are on Instagram at Agape Moms. I've also recently launched a video devotional to help with taking some of the things that we talk about in each of these episodes and then plugging them in and applying them into our real life. 
The videos come out once a week and if you'd like notifications when they are released, you can subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel. Lastly, I just want to thank you for listening. Thank you for being along on this journey with me. When I see subscriptions or rankings, reviews, those kinds of things come in, it gives me a sense of what God's doing in your life. And it also helps other women to see just the power that exists in walking through this season together. And so if you have done that or if you'd like to do that, I just want to thank you for that. And I just so appreciate you being a part of this community. God is working in some pretty incredible ways in all of our lives and all of our stories. And I just pray that in you listening to Aaron's story today, that you would see that a little more clearly in your own life. And I always pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.